Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, I'm very, very grateful to join with you in this moment, transcending time and space together. I feel very blessed that we get to do this, that we are able to transform our minds and renew our minds and restore ourselves and that joining together is extremely helpful in that. And I'm going to start us off with a blessing, as I always do. So I place my hand on my heart and I take that deep breath. So grateful for the breath of gratitude. So grateful that I have something to be grateful for. I am grateful for the eternal love, the eternal perfection, the eternal wisdom, the fullness of love that is ever-present, omnipresent, and knows no opposition. So grateful to know that everything is for us and nothing is against us despite any and all appearances. We are willing to consider the truth. We are willing to allow and accept the truth. We are willing to be willing and we are grateful for our willingness. We partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self in order to remember and recognize the fullness of love is awakened alive in us. And we are claiming that we join together to strengthen our willingness. We join together to rise above the battleground. We are grateful and thankful that we can change our mind. And we give the heavy lifting of how to ever do that to the higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful to give away any need to figure it out or even understand or comprehend it. Instead, we are focused entirely on being willing to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are grateful for A Course of Miracles and all those who labored to bring it to us. We are grateful for their precious efforts and their lives. We are grateful for the truth setting us free here and now, sharing the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So blessed. Oh my goodness. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Well, I had a a topic that I had planned for today about resisting happiness, which I I will do in a couple weeks. I just feel compelled to talk about how I am feeling about things that are going on in the world and to bring benefit through that. So the topic today is transforming self-hatred. There are some incredible displays in the world right now of self-hatred, and it looks like attacking others. It looks like hatred of others. It's not, though, because all is one. All expressions of hatred are really expressions of self-hatred. And the reason we hate ourselves, as far as I can tell, is because we feel so guilty and ashamed for defaming God, for defaming ourselves, for being unloving. Uh, For those who might listen to this years from now, uh, just... The other day, there was a uh, terrorist attack by a white supremacist, so it seems. I really don't know the details, so I'm not going to talk about the details, who um, killed 50 people who were Muslims, attacked them in their place of worship. And... Many people who I know are empaths. 
like attracts like. So many people I know are very empathic or they are really ruled by their empathy. So for me, my strongest intuitive sense is really feeling. I feel things, very sensitive. And when I was younger, I was angry pretty much all of the time. I had a hair-triggered temper, and it was because I felt desperately insecure, and I couldn't handle it, and so I turned it into anger and attack. So one of the lessons that's been uh, a real standout for me is Lesson 135 which is, if I defend myself, I am attacked. And it begins this way. It says, who would defend himself unless he thought he were attacked? That the attack were real and that his own defense could save himself. Indeed, I would not have been so attacking so much of the time, constantly criticizing, complaining, attacking, shaming people around me. That's really how I was. And this is why it's so, so wonderful to me that I don't feel that way anymore. I can change. I can continue to change and grow. And I really aspire to be completely loving all of the time. To always be kind. Maybe not always gentle. Because sometimes we, there's great benefit to being strong and uh, assertive. But to always be loving, always be kind... Always motivated and inspired by love. And that, to me, is that truly helpful prayer. To not be figuring it out ahead of time. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? I mean, the requirements of the radio show are that they they really want me to to, uh, say what I'm going to be talking about a month ahead of time. I'm not so good at that. And today is the first time I've ever said I can't stick to the topic. I have to uh, speak to what feels so important to me right now. But I used to always be planning my attacks on people. Seriously, if I felt that someone was a threat to me, I would start planning how am I going to defend myself through attack. So lesson 135, if I defend myself, I am attacked. So in other words, if I defend myself, I am declaring that I am being attacked in my perception. I believe I'm being attacked or I would not defend myself. And Being defensive is something that is so familiar to me. And I felt that the best way to defend myself was to attack. Don't show any sign of weakness. That was how I was operating in my life. It's interesting to pay attention in the world now and how very often if you just share something like um, someone says, oh, I always get uh, Rocky Road ice cream. And I share, oh, I I really prefer vanilla-based ice cream someone might actually start defending their choice (laughs) because they feel attacked just because there's a difference. 
this is one of the things that I noticed with my brother is uh, my brother uh, got married in his early 20s, mid-20s, and um, started having children right away. And um, the fact that I didn't get married, didn't have children, he, on some level, perceived it as an attack. Um, Just because I wasn't doing what he was doing. And uh, we... We can make interpretations of attack so, so easily. This lesson, if I defend myself, I am attacked. It is directly related to a sense of not enough, bad, wrong, and self-hatred. So one of the ways to transform self-hatred is to really look deeply into the beginning of this lesson. This is the longest lesson in the workbook. And it begins here, as it says, who would defend himself unless he thought he were attacked, right? If you walked into a room and everything was very peaceful and you didn't feel threatened, would you start attacking people? No, you wouldn't. Now, so what we need to know is that when someone goes into a room full of people and slaughters them, They are feeling attacked at home by themselves. They're feeling attacked by the world. Their very perception of themselves, their identification, is feeling attacked. Those who defend and those who attack are really just two sides of the same coin. So who would defend himself unless he thought he were attacked and that the attack were real, right? So the people who are uh, terrorists and slaughterers, they feel attacked. And they believe that attack is oh so real. And the one who is defending themselves also believes that their defense will save them. You wouldn't mount a defense if you didn't think it could save you. So for me, this is very, very valuable in transforming self-hatred. Let me break this down. So I, I, I really decided I'm going to practice this lesson because I would feel so defensive all of the time. That was the reason why I was so critical and attacking and judgmental all the time. So what I, when I realized, oh my God, this, this is what's happening. I am defending myself because I feel attacked. My attack is a defense against the attack I perceive is directed at me. And I perceive an attack directed at me 100% of the time because I do not feel worthy of love. I am the one who is attacking me. I am the one who's decided I am not worthy of love. I am the only one who has decided that. No one else has decided that. Anyone who seems to not love me is actually just reflecting my own self-hatred. Those who seem to be attacking me are just reflecting to me my own self-hatred. And I know this because now when people do actually attack me, which from time to time they do, I I look at it and I go, okay, there's the cry for love. That person is struggling with their own self-hatred and they're tossing it out into the world. I can have a lot of compassion for that because that's how I used to operate. I used to walk into any situation and look for the things that I could mount an attack against. 
if I felt I needed it in order to feel stronger. So it goes from that first powerful sentence in Lesson 135, who would defend himself unless he thought he were attacked, that the attack were real, and that his own defense could save himself? And herein lies the folly of defense. It gives illusions full reality, and then attempts to handle them as real. It adds illusions to illusions, thus making correction doubly difficult. And it is this you do when you attempt to plan the future, activate the past, or organize the present as you wish. You operate from the belief you must protect yourself from what is happening because it must contain what threatens you. A sense of threat is an acknowledgement of an inherent weakness. A belief that there is danger, which has power to call on you to make appropriate defense. The world is based on this insane belief, and all its structures, all its thoughts and doubts, its penalties and heavy armaments, its legal definitions, and its codes, its ethics, and its leaders, and its gods, All serve but to preserve its sense of threat. For no one walks the world in armature but must have terror striking at his heart. Defense is frightening. It stems from fear. Increasing fear as each defense is made. You think it offers safety. Yet it speaks of fear made real and terror justified. Is it not strange you do not have pause to ask as you elaborate your plans and make your armor thicker and your locks more tight, what you defend and how, and against what? So we're trained to defend against the world against that which would attack us. But all is one. There can be no attack on us if we live in our loving heart. And this is what I've been demonstrating now for a number of years, that my open, loving, compassionate heart makes me safe, it makes me invulnerable. And this is the teaching of A Course in Miracles. In the text at the end of chapter 4, very end of chapter 4, it says, it's talking about being truly helpful, and It says, God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful, completely helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless, because the two beliefs must coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos, and so nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God, and he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together. The truly helpful are invulnerable. Another way to say that, the truly loving are invulnerable. And as I've learned, it's so helpful to remember that being loving asks for nothing. It asks for nothing, not even that people would receive the love we have for them. We can love people so fully and so completely without ever telling them or trying to make it known to them. Only the ego would need to do that. Only the ego needs to be acknowledged or appreciated Only the ego needs those things. 
Spirit just is that pure expression of love. That's what being truly helpful is. So when we're in that flow of love, then we're being truly helpful. And Spirit will lead us and guide us in every moment. And that is how we heal the self-hatred that turns into tremendous violence and tremendous anger. Yesterday, and for the last few days, I've been thinking of something I saw on Oprah, and I think it was in the early 90s. I don't know, maybe 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there. And I was up at our family house in Maine, and uh, I somehow, I think that's when I saw it. I could be wrong. Um, Things blend together sometimes. But I, I know I was in the house in Maine when I saw it. And she had a man on there who had been a skinhead, a neo Nazi put labels on it and he had been raised that way um, in that culture and for those uh, who are really um, frightened as many are by the idea that we have a white nationalist president in the United States right now and things like that and who feel hatred towards him, we have to remember that that precious, precious boy, that sweet little child who was so vulnerable, that is Donald J. Trump, he was raised by a man who marched with the KKK. That's how he was raised. He was completely and 100% indoctrinated in that. And he's followed in his father's footsteps in real estate and and all these things, he that's what he's done. And he's, um, it's just what he knows. It is the culture in which he was raised. Now, this young man that I saw on Oprah, he had had a transformation, and Oprah asked him about it. How did this come about? And I've never forgotten this. It touched me so, so deeply. This young man was so sincere. He said, I was raised in this culture to hate, to hate people of color. So I just, that's what I did. That's all I knew. It was so much a part of my life. And I loved my dad. I wanted to be like him. So I did believe everything that was told to me. Of course I did. Why would I doubt it? But then one day, I seem to remember he was walking by a lake with his girlfriend and they were holding hands and he really loved her. And there he was in nature and I do think that's an important part of the story. That's my sense of it, that intuitive sense of it. And he looked at her hand, felt how much he loved her. Not that she loved him is what I remember, but that he loved her. And in that moment of tenderness with her, sweetness and innocence, he knew that hatred was wrong and that love was right. Right with his soul. And that's the holy instant. He had a holy instant. So transforming self-hatred is when we can love ourselves enough to let the love flow through us. So it, it can be as simple as things like not making it so that you're rushing all the time, giving yourself enough time to get there without rushing. It can be not eating something that's going to make you sick just because it tastes good. Um, It could be not going into resentment and choosing to forgive. 
There are so many ways that we can express self-love. And that is what turns the tide. Any expression of love is maximal. This is what A Course in Miracles teaches us. And that's what healing is. The beginning of chapter 5 and the Course, right after that section, the truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos and so nothing can hurt them. Right after that, it begins chapter 5 that starts with, to heal is to make happy. I've told you to think how many opportunities you've had to gladden yourself and how many you've refused. Let us declare that we're not going to miss those opportunities anymore. We're going to take them. We're going to take as many as we can to be simply loving. That's it, nothing else. And it's time for me to take a break. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. We're talking about transforming self-hatred, something I know a great deal about. And I encourage you, if you feel any sense of self-hatred, that you would know that it can be transformed. We don't have to accept it. And that the fastest path to that healing and transformation is to put that higher Holy Spirit self in charge, to put Jesus in charge. I I don't know that everyone feels comfortable having Jesus as a guide and a teacher. Uh, especially if we feel unworthy of love, we may not feel worthy of Jesus's attention. But here's a way to think about it. Jesus as a spiritual being in his human life and in his eternal life as an ascended master, teacher, avatar of the ages, the Piscean age, and as a Christed being, what more could he possibly desire than to help us specifically, individually? What more could he possibly desire, knowing that all is one? You know, think about this. And and Jesus says things like this in the text, and I, I can't think of one of them right now. But I'm not a parent. I have a niece, three nephews. I have a goddaughter. These people... They're not all children anymore, but they are the children of my life and my family. And I have friends with children, of course. They're so precious. And if they came to me for help, I would drop everything to help them pretty much. Especially if they were suffering. If they were really challenged and I've learned that we all need to grow through our experience of our choices and our decisions and it's like that story of the person who helped the the butterfly out of the cocoon by um, snipping away the cocoon thinking that they were str- the butterfly was struggling so so hard to get out of that cocoon and just wanted to be helpful but didn't understand that without that struggle to get out of the cocoon 
the wings of the butterfly would not be fully formed. It needed that part of its experience for the, I don't know what the term is, the, the liquid to be pulled all the way down to the edges of the wings. Butterflies are so amazing. You think of the caterpillar crawling on the ground, completely consumed by trying to consume, getting, right? Eating the, um, just 100% focused on the body and feeding that body. Eating, 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 chomping, chomping, chomping. Like that's it from morning till night. Chomp, 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 chomp. I have no idea if caterpillars sleep. <laughs> and um, and then it goes into a cocoon, spins a cocoon, right? Takes all that energy that it consumed, transforms it into a cocoon, right? Of its own making, creates a sanctuary, And once inside that sanctuary, it dissolves. It freaking dissolves. I mean, what? (laughs) And that is the, the death, the ego death represented right there. That in order for us to fly, to rise and shine, to be an eternal inspiration, of beauty and perfection, because that's how butterflies often seem, like expressions of love, intelligence in form, beauty in form. And But first, it has to completely give up all attachment to its life as a crawler, as a consumer in order to become the great inspiration right so and you can think of the the lilies of the field that spin and toil not and yet are arrayed so finely and are an inspiration to all the world Uh, as it says in the bible beautiful scripture they start by being this bulb this nugget that's planted in the darkness in the soil what is the soil it's like the the transformed fecal matter and uh, waste of everything Planted in that, inspired by the sun, grows to the light and is amazingly beautiful and prosperous. So these these things are given to us in the world to remind us of the truth of our being constantly. So no matter how depraved we may feel, like this young man I was talking about before the break, who um, was sharing how in that holy instant of feeling love for his girlfriend, being the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love, that was why they were together. And they were experiencing love, just holding hands innocently. In that holy instant, this man redeemed himself he may have been a teenager it transformed his life and it gave him the courage to come out from among them think of it he was raised in this neo-nazi culture steeped in it his whole life and yet in that instant he knew That's not the way. That's not the way. Love is the way. He was willing. His innocence was still intact. 
And he could not have transformed his life and then gone out and started speaking about it and teaching others and helping others. He could never have done those things had he not forgiven himself for his past. Doesn't It's not possible. So once again, forgiveness is the key to every, every, every transformation that we desire. Forgiveness is the key, and this is why forgiveness is the focus of my life. And non-judgment is a practice of forgiveness. When we don't judge, when we don't condemn, when we don't complain, there's nothing to forgive. It's preemptive. Practicing non-judgment, practicing compassion, practicing gratitude is preemptive so that we don't have to fall in the hole of unforgiveness and then get out of it. And that is self-loving. So I learned that not falling in the hole is self-loving. I got tired of struggling to get out of the hole and feeling like a loser because I jumped in the hole. I thought my safety was in that hole of uh, pain, the hole of my judgments. And no matter how many times I fell in that hole of my judgments and condemnation, I kept believing that my pain and my suffering was not the result of my choice, but because I was the result of what was being done to me. So in my defenselessness, my safety lies in my defenselessness. There's nothing to defend. I am not being attacked. So I haven't said it in a while, but I used to say it all the time to myself and to those who were interested that the attacker always feels attacked. Why? The attacker feels attacked because the attack is emanating from them. The murderer is in the house. It's within. The killer's in the house, not outside. So don't hide in the house. <laughs> don't hide there. It's not safe there. Instead, open the doors, turn on the lights. Yeah, don't hide in the dark. That's not going to work. Get out there in the light. So, my defenselessness, my safety lies. There's nothing to defend against because the attack is not real. My pal, Gary Renard, I really admire his teaching. And it's been so meaningful to me. It was really, really meaningful to me when I was struggling and first coming to A Course in Miracles because I saw him, in as he discusses in Disappearance of the Universe, uh, really on such a solitary journey. And I felt solitary too. And I knew he was far more solitary than I was. Um, and that he was doing all of that inner work, mostly in secret. And so one of the things that I am so committed to is to helping people who would like to do it together. And one of the things that I was thinking about yesterday and talking about in Masterful Living yesterday is regarding transforming self-hatred that's being expressed in the world. First of all, we do our own inner work. It helps everyone because we're one with them. Number two, we can still also take action in the world to be truly helpful, right? That truly helpful prayer talks about 
I will be told where to go and what to say, what to do, how to do it, when to do it. All of that will be given to me if I'm willing. If I'm willing. And I am willing. So in class I was saying, what if instead of Muslims being attacked, and Muslims are really so gentle and so loving in their teaching. They are, they are. And fundamentalists in any religious endeavor and even philosophical can be so dogmatic and they can um, become really challenged And I've seen this, I've seen this, we've all seen this, where um, it becomes, their belief becomes twisted and used like a weapon. I mean, how is it that the students of Jesus could ever kill or hurt anyone? Just like how could the students of Muhammad ever kill or hurt anyone? These messages are not in the teaching, just the opposite. So it's got to be twisted for it to become violent. And I've definitely experienced A Course of Miracles students who have attacked me. I've, I know a lot of Course of Miracles teachers because we we show up together, we work together, we do things together. So they've become friends and they are sometimes viciously attacked. Certainly Gary Renard has been, but I know others who have been as well. No one attacks unless they're afraid. We just need to understand that and have compassion for it. It doesn't mean that we tolerate or accept their attack, but we don't have to fix them or change them. Love and the holy instant, this will be the shift and the change. I think of the, because I studied it, the incredibly courageous men and women who carried out the lunch counter sit-ins in during the civil rights movement. I uh, used to study with uh, Reverend Jim Lawson in Los Angeles who trained them. He was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. in nonviolence and he trained uh, the trainers even of the people who did those lunch counter sit-ins and they would courageously go in men and women white and black and sit together at the lunch counters and people would spit on them and say horrible things to them and and take the ashes from their cigarettes and flick it at them and they would sit there demonstrating I will not be moved, and I'm coming from a place of love. Like the teachings of Gandhi and Satyagraha and Ahimsa, nonviolence and compassion. Because as Martin Luther King Jr., like his teacher, Jesus, spoke so eloquently, you may remember he said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so if we hate the one who hates, we become like them. But if we love the one who hates, they become like their true self, which is love. So teach only love for that is what you are is not just a nice thing to say. It's a way to live. And it's a way to honor our teacher. So I was thinking yesterday, because sometimes I've seen A Course in Miracles students who were really kind of vicious and attacking and righteous and New Thought students as well, uh, thinking they're superior that they're because their teaching is superior, 
And um, I'm not for that. I've done that myself. And I used to have a real deep, intense aversion to Christianity, which I think was my own self-hatred for my own life as a religious zealot in the past and things like that, past life experiences. So in this lifetime, I just wish to be like the Dalai Lama who says my religion is kindness. I don't need any other religion, just kindness, compassion, generosity, Generosity of spirit, generosity of heart, generosity of patience, of willingness. This is my religion. And I started to think yesterday, what if instead of Muslims being attacked and and Christians being attacked and murdered and Jews being attacked and murdered in their temples and places of worship what if it was a course of miracles study groups what if people who had a course of miracles study groups that their houses were being bombed like the civil rights activists in um in the 60s what if a course of miracles students were being targeted What if? How would we feel? How would we respond? Or would we just react? What difference would it make if that was our experience? And so in Masterful Living yesterday in class, I suggested that people who felt so moved consider going to a mosque in their neighborhood and just saying just saying I'm here because you're my brothers and sisters and I love you I don't know you but I love you and I support you and I'm going to sit with you because there's only one God one, one love, one life. And we're all part of it, no matter the way we pray or don't pray, the way we dress. We are one. And I, I'm certainly going to do this I'm actually going on retreat tomorrow with John Mundy and Lisa Natoli and Corinne Zupko. And so I won't be doing it in the next few days because I'm on retreat. But this feels really important. It's an opportunity that we have to not just talk about it, but to demonstrate And in doing so, be truly, truly helpful. Not because we should, but just because it's an opportunity to honor the oneness and unity of all life. What would Jesus do? Jesus would definitely be hanging out in the mosques. (laughs) Not to teach, but to demonstrate. And to bring his followers along and say, One God. We are not separate from God. God is not separate from us. Therefore, we are not separate from each other. This is how we transform self-hatred. Through simple acts of love. That's what puts us into that holy, holy instant. It truly is. And this is why it's so, so important to me to create community and that we get to do this together. It's why I love Masterful Living. It's why I love Finding Freedom. It's why I love A Course in Miracles is because we can have community together. 
It's why in my courses we have prayer partners and we have study buddies and we have all these ways to connect and communicate with each other and overabundance, really, of ways to be the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of love so that we can truly remember and experience that holy instant. We can have a holy instant on our own, but it's so much easier to do it with others. And this is why I'm, I'm really dedicating energy to doing even more community things. More and more we can come together. Yes. And you know what? I'd like to say that if you appreciate this radio broadcast... If you appreciate being able to listen to the archive, and we have two podcasts, one for the older episodes and one for the newer ones. So Course of Miracles Archive and just A Course of Miracles in your podcast apps. And if you appreciate the free text messages, if you appreciate the daily prayers and inspiration, if you appreciate the free forgiveness classes, if you appreciate the free uh, classes on self-sabotage and healing fear and all the different things that we offer at the Power of Love Ministry, won't you please consider supporting us with an ongoing tithe? Uh, it could be, I think you can do it as little as a dollar a month. Even that would be a show of support and love. And uh, I am inviting you to consider doing that if you feel so moved. And you can go to livingacourseofmiracles.com and you can do that. And you can also do it at jenniferhadley.com. All donations are tax deductible. And thank you to all those who are an ongoing loving support of this ministry, active participants. I place my hand on my heart in deep, deep gratitude for the love that we are and the love that we share and the love that lives through us and as us. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.